Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to Season 3 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all and live to tell the tale, sharing expert tips from the best of the best in the burnout and stress management fields, and sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes full of my own expertise plus actionable steps to help you end your own burnout cycle starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and need more personalized guidance, I'm here for you. In every episode, you'll find a link to book a free breakthrough burnout call. You can find it easily by heading to bit.ly forward slash call Kate or finding the link in the show notes. This free call helps us decide if one-on-one coaching is perfect for you. If it is, we'll get started. If it isn't, I might suggest one of my immediately available online courses, my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, or some sessions with a colleague who's better suited to exactly what you need right now. Also, if you happen to be in New York City, I'd love to see you as a patient. I'm a licensed acupuncturist with over 13 years of international experience, and right now my office is located in Midtown Manhattan. I focus on, you guessed it, burnout. I help your body build up a natural stress resilience to fight off all those pesky symptoms that come alongside burnout. You can find all the deets on that at katedonovanacupuncture.com. Hello, Fried fans. Today, I am so very excited because we're going to talk about napping. And this is a subject that I am really passionate about that I've never discussed on the podcast because it literally never entered my mind until a lovely woman named Catherine Peters brought it to my attention. Catherine Peters is a public speaker and certified professional transformation coach, helping amazing women to rediscover their mojo and lead lives filled with purpose and passion. Catherine lives in Denver, Colorado with her wonderful husband, three wayward mutts, and a cat that drools. It made me laugh when I read this in her bio. When she's not helping her clients get incredible results, you can find her beating back the pet hair that threatens to overtake her home and her sanity. (laughs) Catherine, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Delighted to be here. I'm so excited. Um, I did read through your burnout journey and we will start with that as we always do on Friday and allow that to be the the seed that feeds the rest of our conversation. Um, and I have to say that I really do understand the, the the love for the pets in your home and one thing, but the other thing, all of our pets are non-shedding. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's like my right. secret to a happy life, I swear, <laughs> because the shedding will kill me. What we're going to do is start out with your burnout story. I'm going to pass over the mic. Please do not concern yourself with the amount of time it takes to tell the story. We are not in a rush and we don't need to cut corners. I want you to feel like you can fill up this space as much as is necessary. And if I feel like we need to really dig into something or I hear something that I really want to, I will, I'll just interrupt you because that's what I do. (laughs) Perfect. I love that. Okay. Yeah, so I've been thinking about my burnout story uh, since we scheduled this this talk, and man, it's brought a lot of things up because, as you know, our burnout stories are very personal and very painful. And I had two big burnout episodes. Um, I've been a meeting planner for twenty six years, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Forbes article. Uh, probably about five or plus years ago that ranked the top 
most stressful careers. And it was firefighter, police officer, EMT, I think they were all like emergency responders and event planners, which meeting planner is a kind of event planner. So there was just so much stress involved in my job from day one. And I did this for 26 years. But that's the second burnout story. The first one is uh, I was real well, I was burnout on, on meeting planning. I was so over it. I had a lot of success in my career, making all the money and, and ha- all the accolades and just miserable. So I pivoted and I opened Denver's first dog park bar. And that was a two-year journey to hell and back. And it was amazing. It was wonderful and it was devastating because I got into this zoning conflict with the city of Denver and ended up having to shut down. And I loved what you said in one of your previous episodes about how there's this myth that if we're passionate, we won't get burnt out. (laughs) This was my passion project. This was the thing that lit me up. And it's the thing that devastated me. And I wish I had known you in 2015, because I have a feeling that if I'd been working with you, recovery would not have taken as long as it did. So 2015, lose that business, totally devastated, go back into meeting planning because you got to make a living. Fast forward to 2018, and I am, this is the second burnout uh, phase, really big burnout phase. And I am so exhausted. I am physically, mentally, emotionally depleted. And I'm traveling all over the world. And I love traveling, but not anymore because I'm so tired. And in meeting planning, you get on site and you work these programs wherever they are in the world. And if it's a if it's an easy day, it's a 12-hour day. If it's an average day, it's probably more like a 16-hour day, which means you're not getting enough sleep. You don't have time to exercise. You don't have time to eat right. So all the things. And I would just get back to my hotel room and sob and sob like every night. I kept at the same time, of course, I kept getting this mess. I say, of course, but this had never happened to me before. I kept getting this message to rest. It was like a voice in my head that wasn't me. I can only assume it was my higher power, God, angels, universe, whatever you want to call it, telling me to rest. And so by June of 2018, I'd heard this voice so many times. You'll love this. I Googled how to rest because I had no clue. I had no freaking clue how to rest. So I Google how to rest. I get over, I don't know, like 4 million hits or something. I'm so overwhelmed. I close the browser and go, nope, not going there and keep doing my thing. And then in 20, uh, 2018, uh, in November, early November, I got a breast cancer diagnosis and it rocked my world as it would, you know, anyone with a cancer diagnosis. And so I I did what I do best, which is try to control the situation. And that meant learning all about breast cancer and what are my risk factors and why was I 48 years old with a breast cancer diagnosis, which is really, really early 
to, to be diagnosed. And so I started learning about all the risk factors and it was stress. It was poor diet. It was obesity. It was high estrogen. It was like, I had the, not what's, what's beyond the trifecta. I don't know. Like I had all the things I had all these risk factors. And at that point, the, the message to rest that I'd been given over and over and over again, had this life or death component to it. And I spent the next couple of years learning how to rest. It's not just intuitive for a lot of us, especially if you've been on for so long. And especially if I'm sure all of your listeners can identify with that voice in your head that says my value as a person is related to the amount of productivity and the things I check off my to-do list every day. So resting is just so counterintuitive to everything I had thought and learned about who I was and what, how I got my value up to that point. So it has been a journey um, into rest and self-care. That's what led me to becoming a coach. Um, you know, I, I, I was drawn to, I'm like, I got to help myself. It's like physician heal thyself. I got to help myself so that I can help others. And I got to help others so that I can help myself. Yeah, let's keep this closed circle. One of the things that I think is incredibly important and something that I still juggle with when producing content is that burnout is literally a life or death conversation. And people seem to think that this is really extreme. And so when I write things like, you know, there was a really popular episode and a really popular series of posts around sort of suicidal ideations while still wanting to live, but just not knowing how to escape this prison that you've built for yourself. That was a really popular topic, but I, I, I can't seem to, and I don't want to use fear as a, as a marketing tool. So I, I don't want to use fear as a marketing tool, but I also really think that it's important to understand that dealing with burnout and learning how to manage stress is literally life or death. And I I don't mean this in, uh, in the typical way that we use the word literally, which is not literal. I, I literally mean, literally, literally, literally mean that taking care of your burnout and managing your stress is a life or death decision. And when you're younger, I've been thinking a lot about aging this past week, and I'm only 38. So, you know, it's, it's not like I'm, I'm like bent over yet. But I didn't really want to believe in aging for a long time. Because I've been an, an acupuncturist for, for 15 years. And I've read all of these like meditative books by Deepak Chopra, like ageless body, ageless wisdom, ageless body, ageless mind, ageless body, something, something about agelessness, you know, and, and there's, I've read all these books about sort of taking care of yourself in a way so that you age well, and how you don't have to have these maladies, and you don't have to have these things. But what I'm noticing in my own body, and in in the people around me right now, is that the things that happened 
15, 20, 30 years ago that created some sort of lack of integrity in your body are now being exacerbated by the stress that you're not taking care of, which I knew from Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine has said that forever. I've said it on the podcast before, but I didn't see it happening in my own body. So for example, recently I went to the dermatologist. I have very freckly skin for those of you that cannot see me. I was born with three freckles on my nose, which apparently doesn't usually happen. Usually babies are born without freckles. I already had them. I have a lot of them. There's a lot of red hair in my family. So we have this very sensitive Irish skin. And my grandfather had a lot of skin cancer. So, you know, I went to the dermatologist and I said, I just need to do an overall check. And she said, there's all of these spots on your forehead but they're not spots that I should dig out. Like I want you to use this basically like a chemotherapy cream for a few weeks, bring up all the spots and then allow them to heal. And you know, I've been, I spent 12 years living in Eastern Europe where there's not a ton of sun. So we've got to assume that the majority of the damage that was happening was from my East Coast childhood spending entire summers on the beach and the five years that I spent in California in my 20s. Absolutely. And let me tell you what the joy that you can expect, because <laughs> I now live in Colorado, one of the sunniest states in the union. And I, there's this drastic difference in the driver's side versus the passenger side of my face and age spots. And like you, very freckly, and those freckles turn into a, there, there's some damage that you can't see, just like there's damage from stress and anxiety and depression and and, you know, there's all this damage occurring that you, you may not be aware of or that you can't see. And so that brings me into kind of why I'm here, because complete disclosure, I'm on my journey to perfect the nap. I'm not there yet, right? But when I started diving into the research, it was like clamoring to be shared because th this is powerful stuff and keeping it from people until I've perfected my own journey is not serving them. And it became this clarion call to really put this information out there. And again, like you said, I don't, I don't want to scare people. I want it, but I do want to give people permission and so much of the resistance and, and issues that we have around napping are, are as you know, as a coach, it's, it's all about mindset, right? And it, the first thing is giving people permission. So if I can show the science, if I can tell you the science behind napping, if I can explain to you how it's going to help you, how much of a value add it is, and, you know, one of my very favorite things are efficiencies, you know, so it's not just a twofer, it's like a five or a tenfer, you know, in terms of its benefits um, to people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you, Kate, on the life and death. And um, I want to give people permission. It's without scaring them. You know, we can talk about the the effects of of sleeplessness and fatigue in our society, and and they're huge. I mean, huge. Exxon Valdez, 
caused by lack of sleep. Some of our biggest, oh, Chernobyl caused by lack of sleep. We lose $411 billion in productivity because of fatigue. There are 100,000 deaths every year from medical mistakes in hospitals. And so many of those are fatigue related. So we can look, and there's so many more. I mean, I could go on ad nauseum, but what I'd like to focus on is what's awesome about napping, like the flip side and why this is something that I really, really urge people to sink into as a possibility for themselves. I think that that's a great idea. And I want to inject this um, thought seed for people for a moment. We did just talk about, you know, all this damage that you create in your life as you grow up. And some of it is your fault and some of it just isn't, you know, sometimes you get into a car accident because somebody hits you. And that means that the integrity of your shoulder joint or your neck is now forever compromised. And that's where symptoms will arise as stress affects you. That's fine. But one of the ways that we clean up the damage that we do on a day-to-day basis in our bodies is by sleeping. So sleep is just, so just before we get into like all the amazingness, the idea behind sleep is it's supposed to clean out all the crap that you did all day and restore everything else. So if you can capitalize on that in the middle of your day, think about how much that means for how much you're able to to then accomplish at night, right? So this is really important. But before we get into how amazing naps are, because I like to dig into people's stories, I want you to tell me your nap struggle. <laughs> because I've, I've I read a couple things that you wrote, you know, Yeah, I want you to talk about your nap struggles. So probably the biggest, so I've said from day one, I suck at napping. And I knew that this was, it was, it was like the final frontier and it's really not, but it felt like the final frontier of my rest and self-care journey. If I could just conquer the nap and thanks to COVID, I have time to focus on it. And so I kept trying and failing. And this is my experience my whole life. And I called a really good friend of mine. Um, we were sweet mates in college and she was not just an achiever, she was an overachiever, you know, president of her sorority, did all these amazing things, had the most packed social and school schedule that I I can even imagine. And she could just nap at the drop of a hat, get those 20 minutes and she's up and going. So I call her in desperation after yet another failed attempt. And I'm like close to tears. And I'm like, you have to tell me, you have to help me. So we start talking about, I'm like, how do you do it? What do you do? Lead me through your napping process. And one of the first things she said to me, an alarm bells went off in my head. You will so get this, Kate, as a coach. She goes, well, you know, I grew up with a mom who was really pro-nap. And first of all, just love that sentence, (laughs) pro-nap. I'm like, oh, My mom had multiple sclerosis when I was growing up. She was very sick. And she always used to say, because I would ask her, you're so fatigued. Why can't you just go take a nap? And she would say, because I will feel worse after Mm -hmm. I nap. I can't ever get my energy back. It ruins my day. 
So here my friend is with a pro-nap story, and here I am with an anti-nap story. And we soak that stuff up. We just do, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so she kept telling me more about her mom being pro-nap. And she's like, oh yeah, all growing up, if I got a little bit, you know, tetchy or smart alecky, my mom would say, you know, sweetie, why don't you go take a nap? Why don't you go lay down? And she said, you know, I think I will. Now as a mother, she realizes what her mother was doing. <laughs> Let's just get out of my face. <laughs> But she has really absorbed that message and she also uses it with her kids. She's like, oh, we're a pro-nap household. And it has ebbed and flowed throughout her life when she's needed it. She dealt with losing her mother to Alzheimer's a couple of years ago. She said, my napping went way up. You know, I had to do that more often just to kind of get to baseline, you know, that, that, deeper need for self-care when we are really in times of stress. So um, that was the first clue that I was really wonky in my mindset. And that's one of the reasons I'm here today is so is so that I can help shift people's mindset around napping and make them pro-nap or allow them the possibility of being pro-nap. And then the second thing uh, she said, oh, she had so many great tips. She was, don't tell yourself you're going to nap, just you're going to rest your eyes. Because what we do when we think we suck at napping is we go in and and it's almost this, this anxiety around whether or not we're going to reach the finish line. So just remove that. Just, I'm going to rest my eyes. Third thing is to tell yourself, nobody needs me right now. For this 20 or 30 minutes, nobody needs me right now. The world is not going to end. Can everybody stop and repeat that to themselves right now? Mm. Nobody needs me right now. Mm. And really just sink into that. And then quit telling yourself you suck at napping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, coach. Yeah, quit. Well, and it's so funny because we have all of these tools at our disposal. You were talking about this on one of your episodes. Oh, when we should all over ourselves and how you went into a session with your acupuncturist and, and, and you were like, my body should be able to, you caught yourself. And it's so funny as coaches, just because we have the tools at our disposal doesn't mean we necessarily see ourselves. So yeah, so those that's my first critical tip in terms of napping is to change your mindset around napping. You know, quit telling yourself you suck at it. Nobody needs Remy right now. I'm just going to shut my eyes. I'm just going to rest my eyes. And then I'm going to give you guys all of the information or not even all of the some of the information that will help you become <laughs> pro nap. I think what's important that you said that I I would like to give people permission to also explore, find out what your nap story is. Oh, yes. Right. Because the, really the beginning of this and, and the question and the the suggestion that your friend made led to an uncovering of your nap story. 
So what's, what's your, is your family pro-nap? Is your family anti-nap? What's the messaging around it? What are the, what are the words you're using when you're describing naps? What, what's actually happening in your body? What are, is there anxiety? Is it disappointment? Is it what's really happening when you talk about naps? Like I'm a, I'm a sleeper. I've always been asleep. Even as a baby, I was a sleeper. And when I do not sleep enough, I am cranky. And that has not changed in 38 years of living. My aunt, who my parents own a tenement household, so there was three apartments in in one house, and my aunt and two cousins lived on the and uncle and two cousins lived on the first floor for the first I don't know seven or eight years of my life. And when I was cranky, she would look at me and say, "Oh, is Katie a little sleepy today? Does Katie need a nap?" You know. So at some point, I did turn this against it, and I thought, "Well, I'm not a child anymore." Like, I don't need, I don't need to do that because I'm not a child anymore. So I fought against my very needed additional sleep. Like, I need more sleep. People are like, I'm cool with seven hours. I'm like, give me nine. Like, I'm a sleeper. I sleep a lot. Right. And when I was burnt out, I would sleep 12 hours a night. Easy. Easy. And I still wouldn't feel rested in the morning, but at least I was getting in that like downtime. But I think this finding out what what story you're telling around napping is what will allow you to take advantage of that first tip of, of like, all right, get your get your head around your mindset, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's brilliant. That's really, really well said. So so now. Yeah. So I started diving into the science around napping. I knew it was beneficial. I just had no idea how beneficial. And there's been so much research around napping, sleep in, sleep in general, and good sleep hygiene. I'm sure we've all heard of that and good sleep habits. And those are super important. But the lion's share of the focus has been on your, your nightly sleep patterns. Again, super important. I cannot stress that enough. And it's a both and, and the power of the nap is still amazing. It's amazingly powerful and amazingly helpful if you have good sleep hygiene. And if you don't, if you're getting enough sleep, And if you're not there, when it comes to sleep, the general rule is more is better. And like you said, sleep is a way for our body to heal itself. Uh, It's a way for our brain to heal itself. So some of the benefits that I learned when I was diving into the this research, when, I mean, I, I wanted, I wanted to become, um, pro-nap instead of anti-nap. Now I am so fired up. I just want to proselytize about the nap because (laughs) the research is amazing. It's amazing. It boosts attention and alertness, which makes total sense. It increases working memory and learning. So, and, and they've done studies the study I remember the most is actually with little babies, but it does, or little toddlers, but it does transfer to adults as well. And they gave these toddlers, these random objects 
and gave them made up names and they showed them all the objects of the, and with the random names and they sent half of the group off to go play and they sent the other half of the group to go home and take a nap. Then they brought them back. The toddlers that had gone home and taken a nap um, remembered 80% of the time. The ones who had not napped and had played remembered 30% of the time. Just ginormous. And your, your guest, Dr. Taylor, talked about brain elasticity. And she talks about, you know, we, we have the short-term memory and then we have the long-term memory. And what they have found is that napping and sleeping helps kind of long-term sleeping helps dump that short-term filing cabinet out. And so those can be transferred into long-term memory and kind of cleaned out so that it's refreshed when we get back up, when we wake back up. It's like bringing your inbox down to zero. Yes. Oh, like closing all those tabs. Yeah. All those things. Yes. So that's a huge benefit. And especially as I get older, because now I'm 50 and, and my word memory is not as good. My overall memory is not as good. So for me, this is really, really timely in terms of boosting my memory and my retention. And so now my strategy is if I'm going to go study something new or I need to memorize a speech or, you know, I've, I've read something that I need to retain, I go take a nap. You know, I study, then go take a nap and your recall will improve. The next thing that was really, of course, with my history of breast cancer and stress and anxiety, I also suffered from cyclical depression for years. I've had that suicidal ideation that you talk about. Um, it, this decreases stress. Napping for even as little as 20 minutes a day can make a major difference in the amount of stress that you experience. And my guess is that it's a, a lot of it has to do with our hormones, which sleep tends to have a huge impact on. Um, the next thing, which oh, makes me so happy, is it's it's about again, it's about that prefrontal cortex that. Dr. Taylor, I loved that episode. I was listening to that episode on brain elasticity. And you said, well, give us two recommendations for what would you do to increase your brain elasticity? And she's like, only two? And the first one she said was what? Sleep. Yes. I was like cheering at that episode. Yes, sleep. So what happens is um, it, it, it does help our prefrontal cor- cortex, it's a mouthful, um, because one of the things we experience throughout the day is decision fatigue. I also, one of my favorite things to talk about is the willpower myth and that, you know, that's a whole nother subject, but what is involved in willpower is decision fatigue. When we have a failing in willpower, it's usually because of our prefrontal cortex being worn out. And it just happens. It's not, it just happens with life. It happens with email and phone calls and conversations and and pandemics. And pandemics and dogs and you know pet hair and you know it happens with all those things. Yeah, and pandemics, big time. So napping helps restore that prefrontal cortex. 
And your decision fatigue goes way down. Your reactivity goes way down. Your emotional regulation goes way up. Your decision-making and processing functions go way up. As a natural result, your willpower goes way up. So I'm particularly interested in this point because I'm on a continued weight loss journey. And again, for me, I feel like that's kind of life and death because the more fat cells I have, the more estrogen I have, the higher risk of breast cancer I'm at. So, and even, even when it's life or death, it's sometimes not easy to make the right decisions. So if a nap can help me boost my willpower, I'm in, I'm in. So Last but not least, well, and it's it's not even last, but these are the major points that I've gleaned. <laughs> but last but not least, for your listeners in particular, because I know if they're suffering from burnout, they have the productivity gremlin just like I do. Taking a nap can boost your productivity by up to 34%. That is huge. Huge. And one of the reasons I kind of got into trying to nap was because I'm self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm in COVID, as we all are, lockdowns. And so I really have to be self-regulated in terms of my productivity. And I was losing the last two to three hours of my day, just losing it. I mean, lucky if I got one thing on my list done and it was kind of half-assed. I can just hear the people going ding, 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 while they're listening. (laughs) And, you know, we, we like to do things whole last. So I, I have noticed, I've definitely noticed, and again, it's still a work in progress, but I've noticed a correlation between sinking into a nap schedule and boosting my productivity in the afternoons. And I'll get to the end of my week. And I look, I look back at my to-do list because of course I'm still addicted to that. I'm like, wow, I, I checked, I ticked all the boxes or maybe one thing's not checked instead of like five things. I mean, it just, it just, I don't know what it is except all this science that I feel like I'm kind of getting that last, that, that period of my life back, you know? Um, So back to how to nap. (laughs) Yeah. So now that we know all the good things that it actually does for people out there that are also, that are saying like, I'm not a good napper when I nap and wake up, I'm groggy. It's not helpful for me to nap. I don't feel that way. Don't have that benefit. If I fall asleep, then I'm going to be asleep for three hours. And then I did all the excuses, all the, maybe not excuses, all the past experience. Yeah. And that was my experience as well. So now that we talked about nap mindset and hopefully I've given you guys some reasons to be pro nap, let's figure out how to do it. How do you do it? Uh, The first thing after tackling the mindset is really knowing when and how long. So Dr. Sarah Mednick, I love her, go read her book, did a bunch of sleep studies back in 2008, looking at the perfect nap time based on our sleep patterns, our circadian rhythms, et cetera, so forth. And what she found is all lengths of nap are great for those benefits, but depending 
on where we wake up in our sleep cycle is going to determine that feeling of grogginess. So we go through like five different sleep cycles, whether we're sleeping in the middle of the day or at night. The middle two sleep cycles, three and four, are deep wave sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of deep wave sleep, that's when all of the chemicals in your body are flooding your system to let your physicality to know to, to basically freeze. And so when you wake up in those stages, you feel super groggy and disoriented and worse than you did before you started your nap. If you can get through all of the phases and wake up at the end of REM, that's great. But that usually takes people about an hour and a half. Not many of us have that much time to devote to napping. So really, the key to not waking up groggy, the key to waking up refreshed and ready to go and still getting all of those benefits is waking up in phase one or two. And that usually happens between 20 and 30 minutes. And NASA did a study on this and found that the optimal nap time was on average 26 minutes. I like it. So I would encourage people to at least devote 30 minutes because it's going to take you a while just to kind of get in position and all these good things. So optimal time between 20 and 30 minutes. And, and you got to play around with it and kind of feel what works for you because everybody's sleep schedules are a little bit different in terms of the sleep stages. So that's thing one. Thing two is the time of day. And research shows that between 1 and 3 p.m. is really the best time of day. And you might be thinking, well, but it depends on when I wake up or I go to bed. Kind of, but not really. On average, it's about seven hours after you wake up, but it still needs to be within that window of 1 to 3 p.m. because of your circadian rhythms. And we have this 12-hour sleep cycle. And that is, and there's this thing called sleep pressure, which increases throughout the day. And that's why kind of regardless of how well you slept the night before, between 1 and 3 p.m. on average is when most of us start yawning. We're not failing. And I used to, I used to think this, Kate. I was like, well, I must be doing something wrong with my sleep hygiene, or I must be doing something wrong with my self-care because I'm still getting tired in the afternoon. No. Natural to get tired in the afternoon. It's biology. Let yourselves off the hook. We call this slump o'clock. Yes, slump o'clock. It's perfect. So unless you're a shift worker and your sleep patterns are way on the other end, in that case, kind of use that seven hours after you wake up time period Everybody else, target that 1 to 3 p.m. Target giving yourself at least 30 minutes to go through the process. So that's the that's the when and how long. And then there's the setting yourself up for success. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you. <laughs> I have actually been brought to tears on a couple of occasions. Most notably recently when I was trying to nap, because I now call it nap practice, I was trying to nap. I had sent my husband a text. He was running errands. And I said, please don't come in the bedroom before 1.30. I'm in nap practice. 
And he comes in, not only did he not see the text and comes in the bedroom, but has an allergy attack in the bedroom and is sneezing these decibel eardrum breaking sneezes. And I was just devastated. I'm like, well, it's ruined, just ruined. So again, mindset, (laughs) don't take it so seriously. It's okay. There will come another day. So setting yourself up for success means put your phone on do not disturb, especially if you're using headphones and you're listening to a sleep story or or a meditation or something like that. Um, Don't have your computer in uh, your, your frame of vision. Put a sign on your door that says napping in progress or, or whatever works for you if you're within the workplace. And then you want a cool, dark, quiet location as much as possible. The lower temperatures help our bodies sleep. And it also help, makes it easier to use a blankie, which I personally like. That's not always possible, again, if you're in the workplace. So we'll talk about your perfect nap kit. Know that it can include an eye pillow, you know, or an eye mask. So, uh, and then quiet. Earplugs, or what I tend to do is I use headphones and I've been getting into some sleep stories, which are lovely. If you have pets or children or a spouse or all of the above, and you are at home during this time of COVID with everybody, just know my heart goes out to you because it, it, it can be a challenge. One suggestion is to get everybody on board with nap time, even if they don't want to take a nap, like maybe create a household nap time around lunch. This is our hour where we eat lunch, then take a nap or go rest quietly, just like you did in kindergarten. If you can't go to sleep, just lay on your mat quietly. So get everybody on board. The pets, I actually have to take them downstairs into the bedroom, the basement bedroom with me, because otherwise, again, has has resulted in tears on a couple of occasions. The mailman or the Amazon delivery guy and the barking starts and it's insane. And there's just no, no going back from that. So setting the stage, setting yourself up for success, super important. And then creating the ritual around napping. This is really important to understand that this is a practice and practice doesn't mean it's perfect, but you can use these cues like a certain room or putting your headphones in or putting your eye mask on or putting your blankie on or fuzzy socks, whatever makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. And use that every time. And then those cues become triggers for sleep. So especially if you are having to nap outside the home, create your nap kit. And that that includes whatever, whatever tools help you nap. So it could be, like we said, an eye mask, earplugs, headphones, fuzzy blanket, lightweight is actually usually better than than heavier blankets, a pillow, you know, whatever works for you. And then, 
I just loved, loved, loved your yoga nidra meditation. One of the biggest challenges I have to napping is my brain just won't shut off. <clears throat> so I find the the yoga nidra meditation so helpful in just quieting down my nervous system and my thoughts and focusing on the body and relaxation. And then the other thing I love are the sleep stories. And I'm really into Wonder by Matthew McConaughey. You can find that on YouTube. You can find it on Calm. You have to, I, I, I focus on shorter sleep stories because my nap is usually no more than 30 minutes. So, but here's the, the key is finding what works for you and what doesn't not beating yourself up when, when it doesn't work, just finding a different solution. You know, what are you and trying different things and what are you going to try next time? And really making it about exploration and discovery in terms of what works for you and knowing that you're doing it out of an abundance of love for yourself and that your productivity gremlin can shut the F up because like this, this is going to increase your productivity in the long run. And to me, for yoga nidra is the way that I nap. Mm, yes. That is the way that I nap. I have to have, it's the way that I nap. And it's also the way that I meditate both mm -hmm. because I have to have instruction for things like that. And I have to have instruction because I am always thinking. Mm. There's people are like, I don't know. How do you create so much content? I'm like, how do you not? I, I mean, I'm constantly, my brain is constantly coming up with things for me to talk about, to write about. I forget half of them because I can't keep up with myself. So laying down simply for the measure of, of having quiet is really difficult for me. I have to have somebody saying, okay, now relax your big toe. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. You know, like I have yeah. to have that instruction which is why I do yoga nidra meditations and I do them for my clients, sometimes personal ones, because you sometimes you just need to have somebody telling you that it's okay to release your jaw, right? So I want to talk about for a second, the things that you talked about in the setting yourself up for success. To me, there's a, a bonus level to this. And the bonus level of setting yourself up for success is you have to add in everything that you can in order to increase your feelings of safety, because this is what allows your nervous system to actually relax. So when you're saying the headphones or the earplugs or the blanket or the, or the, this is not a like be cute and get your little nap things. This is literally do everything within your power to create clear enough boundaries, you know, your do not disturb, your sign on the door, and, and have every product slash thing that you can have around you that makes you feel safer. You will have a more successful nap if you feel safe. You know, Kate, it's so perfect you said that because the, the day that I was so upset with my husband for ru ruining my nap... I thought I had done everything that I could to set myself up for success. And when it didn't happen, <laughs> this is going to sound so crazy. I felt violated. 
and so angry. And why was I so reactive to this? And I had just listened to your episode about safety, Mm -hmm. not very long, like maybe the day before. And it clicked for me later that day. Oh, this is about safety. Mm-hmm. that's why my reaction is so big because this nap practice has become this safe space for me. And it was, it was invaded. It was invaded. Yes. And not, and this is the thing about saying like, we're not going to down, you know, your poor husband, he didn't know, like it was not, there was no intentional upset, but you were in your, your safe time was invaded. And when your safety is invaded, your nervous system goes on fire. Yes. Yes. And lesson learned next time. And I'd even thought about this before I left. I'm like, maybe I should print out a sign and put it on the door. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make some signs, have them on the door. So every time it, it turns out not to be so safe, I can use that as a lesson to shore up my defenses, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but you're so right. Safety is such an important, I mean, it's, I, I felt so silly and I, I knew I was overreacting and I was exploring why is my reaction so not commensurate with what happened? And that was it. it yeah, was that's like, the oh, reason. It's, it's about the safety. I would love if your um, free gift that we can attach to this episode was um, different versions of napping in progress PDFs. <laughs> Actually, there's two things that I would love uh, to provide to people. One is the schedule of NAP workshops, which I will be doing throughout the year in 2021. So that's thing one. And thing two is a guided sleep story. Mm. Because a lot of them I have found are a little too long. And it would be wonderful to start out with some yoga nidra techniques and the move into the sleep story. So I plan to have that done in the next, you know, by the time this episode airs. Awesome. So I would really, really, and, and I'm absolutely happy to provide a recap of the important points that we've, we've discussed and best napping practices. I love that. And I would love to have that for people to be able to, of course, they'll be in my show notes, but I would love to have a downloadable version for people because I think this is rather, rather important. Um, but I feel like we need to make some napping in progress signs. <laughs> I just feel like, I just feel like that would be fun. And also you guys, I'm going to put in a link in the show notes. Um, I do have eye masks that were made for my company, but the person that makes them is a very good friend of mine and a very, very talented woman named uh, Lindsay. And I'm going to, she makes her own eye masks that are shaped in a particular way they're just she just does things a little bit differently than most people she hand dyes everything she hand sews everything um it's all handmade right in brooklyn and so i'm going to link to her website with a link to her eye masks so that people that are like i would really like to have like not the one that i got from the plane four years ago that's that's like crusty already um so i would if you are ready to start your sleep kit I would love for you to start with that. And it's something that you can put in the microwave and warm up. You can put in the freezer and cool down. When I need to nap midday, I often, I leave one actually all the time in the freezer because sometimes you just need to use it to help you shut down. And it it does help your vagus nerve 
to get into that like place of calmness that will allow you to sleep easier, which means your falling asleep process is faster. And so there's all these like extra things we can do. So I'm going to put that in the show notes so that people can um, get that. I'm sure Lindsay will be happily surprised by that. So please order her sleep masks because they're amazing. And as we wrap up, I just feel like this was so damn important. And I'm so glad that you recognize the importance of the work that you're doing enough to say, listen, no, really, we have to talk about this Yeah, because we really do have to talk about this. I don't care if you actually sleep during your nap time, but you can, and people are saying, you know, I don't have a half an hour. You scroll for a half an hour before you even know what happened. So true. So true. And I'm, and I'm saying that with an attitude because I'm also talking to myself. Right. <laughs> scroll for a half an hour before you even notice what happened. And you're like, how did a half an hour pass? All I did was look at Instagram. I didn't even get to Twitter yet. Like what is going on? So you can have a half an hour. And if you give yourself a chance to rest, even if you don't fall asleep at first, but if you give yourself a chance to rest instead of scroll, just take one scrolling, just one scrolling time Mm -hmm. out of your schedule. You could literally change your life. Yes. Yes. So perfect. I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here today. Do you have any parting words? Do you feel like you got in all the things you needed to share? I do. You know, I, I just hope my, my uh, deepest, deepest hope is that people listening will feel like they've been not only given permission to nap, but that they pursue it with self-love in mind. Amen to that. Thank you so much for this. It was such a joy. It might be a really good time to nap now. I don't know what time it is where you are and where you're listening to this, but you know, if it's nap time, go, go nap until next time, everybody. (laughs) 